0: In the UK, is only too aware the clocks recently went back. Every autumn, you can almost hear a collective groan as the clock change approaches. So many of us dread the reduced daylight that the time change brings. According to the World Health Organization, around 2 million people in the UK and more than 12 million people across Northern Europe are affected by seasonal affective disorder. And today, we're going to put this all too common disorder under the microscope to get to the bottom of what it is what causes it and what we can do to boost our energy and mood during the winter months. As always, we are fortunate to be joined by Cilia Lipvin, a clinical psychologist and the founder of the Clinically Proven Mental Wellbeing app, EQ, with years of experience providing counseling and therapy specializing in clinical psychology, depression and anxiety, and systemic psychology, the science of relationships. Hi, Cilia.
1: Hi. Hi, Sreen.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Um, I think SAD is something that we are very, very familiar with. I think people can generally feel their energy plummet as soon as the, the clocks change and it gets colder and darker and a little bit more gloomy. Um, um, we just wanted to touch upon it because it's something that's spoken about a lot, but we don't know all that much around it. So. Is it, is it something that people suffer from because of a lack of daylight or are there other factors that come with the SAD disorder?
1: Well, personally, I think that the SAD disorder is a very typical sign of our society to force upon us a lifestyle that humans aren't made for and then when we react accordingly um, to classify it as a disorder. So naturally, during the winter months, We sleep more, our activity goes down, and we're not meant to be running around and working as much and interacting as much with other people as we do. And when we force ourselves to participate in society and work until seven and then go for dinners and drinks and and then go to bed six hours after it's become dark, of course our body's gonna tell us that something's wrong, right? So while there are people that are more affected by SAD, I I think it would be better for society to change the expectations of social interactions and workloads during winter than to prescribe light lamps and antidepressants and all these things. It's it's, our bodies fighting back against something that is unnatural.
0: Do you think a lack of vitamin D has a part to play with SAD and can supplements help at all?
1: So, yes and yes, absolutely. Um, the less exposed we are to sunlight, the less likely we are to produce um, or, or to be able to have access to vitamin D. That then helps us um, produce dopamine, which is really important. It's the neurotransmitter of um, novelty and experiencing joy and happiness and fun, So, um, which is you know one of the issues with depression is that we don't process enough dopamine properly and on top of that if you are a woman who is um going through perimenopause menopause or your post um, menopausal then um, you will most likely experience a vitamin d deficiency and that's going to have a huge impact on very many things but also on your mood so go get tested and then um, take supplements as much as you can it will have an impact like there are studies shown that just taking vitamin d already significantly um uh, lowers depression levels, so it, it's not an all-over cure but it has a big impact and i think as soon as it starts getting dark outside we all need to pop vitamin d pills
0: <laughs> i agree i think anything that we can do to help ourselves through it is, is so important and you know as the, especially in the uk as the years go on it's if it, i I forget about previous years' winter, and I think this is the worst winter we've ever experienced. Obviously, it's not, but I just I get into that mindset where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is we're gonna it's gonna start snowing very soon, and it's just gonna be awful. We can't leave the house for weeks and weeks on end. But I think there are a fair few things that we can do to help overcome that. And you said you mentioned antidepressants. So is sad something that's recognised by psychologists? Do people go to psychologists and therapists for sad? Does that happen?
1: Yes, it does. Um, It's an official diagnosis. I don't know if it's in the DSM-5 or not, but I do know it's a diagnosis um, and people are being treated for it and um, the awareness has has risen over the last few years and people do um, get described antidepressants and I'm I'm not anti-medicine, anti-medication. I think that if you are forced to, you know, live and work hard during the winter months that if there's a medication that helps you get through it god bless um but ideally you know you would just allow to to turn your clock a little bit slower and um, live life life at a slower pace and sleep more
0: i agree i think a lot of people that i know as well when that when winter comes or when autumn is looming we all talk about hibernating and that's all we want to do or jetting off somewhere that's warm and sunny and loads of daylight hours and things like that. But what does sad actually feel like? What what are the common symptoms for it? And is it quite similar to something like depression?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, so um, th- the only difference practically to depression is that it happens only in winter and then it goes practically it goes away by itself when you either jet out into the sun for um, two weeks or longer. Or then springtime comes, the um, days get longer, there's more sunlight, more exposure to sunlight, and then it, it goes away by itself. Um, usually what happens is that a doctor or a psychiatrist will try to find a pattern and see, is this a depression and should I treat it like a depression or is this sad and is this something that could be possibly treated in a different way?
0: Interesting. So if somebody was kind of, it it was all very coincidental that somebody was going through a, period of depression or an episode of being depressed and you know sad was looming with clocks changing and things like that what would you recommend they do do you would you recommend they kind of see it out until kind of the the seasons change or would you recommend that they go and see somebody as soon as they start feeling something different about themselves
1: oh definitely go see someone as soon as you can right because um who, who am i or who is someone who even me as a, um, a clinical psychologist I'm really bad at diagnosing myself and the people who are close to me. So I'm speaking to a third party is always a good thing. Um, I think during the winter months, it would be helpful to tell your GP or your psychiatrist, like, I don't know if this is sad or if um, I am going through a depressive state. Usually depression um, diagnosis occurs if you are experiencing symptoms of depression two weeks or longer. Right. So they um, if it's just a week or if it's a couple of days then they'll probably say, "Okay, hang in there for a bit because it's normal to feel sad, down and flat at times. Only if it's persistent, then it's something that we need to look into.
0: Okay. so would you say sad doesn't last the whole winter period then? Is that just it happens in certain time periods like when the clocks change, that's when everyone feels a little bit down or does it happen the whole season?
1: Practically the whole season, as soon as sun the sun starts going down really early so practically those the daylight saving time is just an economic exercise right because they wanted to save energy and they wanted to slow down society which is a little bit um, funny um so it has nothing to do with daylight saving time it has to do with um, the days shortening and the nights you being more exposed to more nighttime um missing light practically
0: do you think it affects any particular age groups
1: yeah, so young people, young adults, so anywhere between um, 16 to 24 and um, 25 to 35 are three times more likely to be diagnosed with SAD than older adults, like 55 plus. Um, I, I have a hypothesis on that just because if you are 24, you are much more likely expected to have a lot more of an active social life. You will most likely be working longer hours and you will have more responsibilities like a young family or taking care of your rent and all these things than someone who is 55 and older. So if you're 65, you're in retirement and you can sleep at seven o'clock. And (laughs) I think a lot of them do. Right. And so they're much more likely to experience sad um, or the symptoms of sad
0: that's interesting because you know you can look at it in two ways that you know is past retirement age and they have more flexibility to rest and you know do all of those things where they they feel better about themselves is it is it possible that the stats are high for that age range group because they're more proactive when it comes to looking after their mental health so they do reach out and they would want to seek help
1: there is there is a, a lot of expectations that that is the case We see people who are more likely to be active and to self report for mental illnesses to, of course, be in a group that is reportedly experiencing more mental illness, like women, for example. There is the theory that there are a lot of men who keep quiet um, and there might be a lot of 55 year olds that keep quiet, but The thing would be for GPs nowadays, and I think that GPs are a lot more on top of things now, that the 55 or the 65-year-old will not go to the doctor for depression or anxiety. They will go to the doctors for migraines, stomach aches, lower back pain, sleeping issues, and the GP will be able to ask questions that would lead them to understand that this might not be a physical thing alone, but it might be a mental health thing, and so that's where the numbers start to even out a little bit but i'm sure there's there's definitely need to be corrected for people who are underreporting or not reporting at
0: all yeah definitely and i think a lot of people do forget almost that you can go to your gp for mental health support as well i think it's it's not spoken about enough i think a lot of people think that they have to go down um straight through like talking therapies for example but you can go through your referral by your gp um And obviously you mentioned earlier about light boxes as something that gets prescribed and antidepressants and things like that. And would you, would you say that is a good solution? Is it a short term solution? Is it just a money making scheme? What is it? And does it actually help people?
1: There's a lot of research that shows that these light boxes are quite helpful. And um, when I was in London, I had one too, and it was uh, after it started getting dark around five, I would blast my face with this thing. And I felt there was the difference I could feel as well as the research showing that people are less likely to be depressed. Um, There are a lot of things that you can do that um, help make you less likely to experience SAD. And in a way, you're practically tricking your body to thinking it's it's summer, um, which kind of supports my hypothesis that SAD is a social disease. It's not a disease of the individual, right? Um, But at least if if you're stuck in your role, which most of us are, then it it is something very helpful um, that will, you know, give you an extra layer of protection against that.
0: So it is it is proven to help and it's not a placebo effect that you've got light shining in your face and you're going to feel a lot better.
1: No, no, it helps. It really helps. And, and, you know, there's um, studies that also have hypotheses on why it works and what happens in your brain and all these things. So it is quite impactful.
0: Okay. Um, so how many hours of, light, I call it light boxing, how many hours of light boxing would you need to kind of make up for those lost hours of daylight that you're not exposed to?
1: I think practically as soon as they get dark outside and you're still active, you, you need to switch it on. Um, so I, I'm sure there are studies I don't have a threshold in my mind that something like, I'm thinking 20 minutes, uh, but I, I could be really wrong, so please don't quote me on that. I I would do it as I did it, you're sitting on your desk, it gets dark outside, switch that light on and when you go home, you know, calm down a little bit, drink your tea, chill and try to just keep a calmer pace if you can.
0: Yeah, definitely. And is there any negative side effects to light boxing?
1: Well, it's relatively rare, but you can have side effects from, um, you know, exposing yourself to a light box for long periods of time throughout the whole winter. Things like headaches, your your eyes being overstrained, hypomania, um, fatigue, irritability. The the questions is is this particularly from the light box, or is this from forcing yourself to, um, you know, go into a mode that your body isn't made for? I'm not 100% sure, but you can experience that. And then my solution for that is, um, you know slow down if you can um or just reduce the time that you're being exposed
0: yeah i agree i think it's also important to touch upon the fact that you know when time changes and time gets it gets darker a lot faster and you know you just want to curl up into a ball when it's about 4:30 p.m. and you still got a couple of hours of work left it's important to maintain a structure maintain a routine you know you you spend your summer times either going for walks or going to the gym or whatever you do. I think it's quite important to try and maintain that as much as possible. I know things like you said, do slow down and stuff, but try and keep yourself active as well and try not to close yourself off completely from the world for the, the winter period and make sure that you are looking forward to things as well, like Christmas. And, you know, if you celebrate Thanksgiving, things like that, New Year's Eve and spending time with your friends and family, Um, Is that something that you would recommend as a psychologist, that people should have some sort of structure even throughout winter times?
1: Well, structures and routines are always good. They are a core pillar of resilience and it's really important. I would say to readjust them for the winter and maybe um, see if you can cut off work an hour early because if you are already feeling like curling up to a ball and cuddling on the couch at four o'clock and you have three more hours, that's gonna be three painful more hours And then I wouldn't, after that, go to the gym afterwards because then you're reactivating your body and your body was trying to shut down. Plus, there's a natural effect of if you go to bed early, you're going to eat a lot earlier, which means that you're going to intake less calories. So you're going to need less uh, calorie input. So if if you think about it, you you don't have to burn more if you're sleeping more. Right. Right. So that kind of takes care of that. Um, I think a little bit if you're feeling bad about not going hitting the gym as much as as before. Ideally, the gym in the morning anyway, and not in the evening because it activates all kind of hormones that um, you know make, make you uh, hyper. I think there's nothing more delightful than Christmas and Thanksgiving and the songs and the lights and everything. And then come New Year's Eve and the day before that, you take down everything and then you have darkness bleakness and what two to three months of nothingness ahead of you so if you lean too heavy on the christmas spirit and these things then you might fall into um, a hole so what i think it's important to enjoy them there might be something that you can put a little celebration like a um, mid-february celebration or something like that that you could look forward to do a mid-february sad pickup party or something like that because um, if, if you lean too much on these external things then, and they're gone, that's when a lot of people um, report more incidents of SAD.
0: Yeah, do you know what, I I completely agree with that because I think we can all agree that January is what we call a very depressing month, (laughs) there's nothing going on, all the excitement of the end of the year's finished and now you've got a whole 12 months of whatever else going on ahead of you and it feels like January is the longest month in the year and you know it (laughs) it can get quite tough for a lot of us. But yeah I agree, we should have something to look forward to maybe in early February or mid-Feb so that you have something that you know is is there as like a milestone I've achieved January now I've got this to look forward to and then yeah. keep doing something small and just take it off your list that you have a exciting year ahead of you but it's something we'll talk a lot about um early next year in our podcasts and our blogs and stuff like that as well all around getting through the new year new year's resolutions sticking with them yeah. and yeah. and how we can all get through January in one piece and yeah. be happier as well.
1: that sounds good
0: well thank you very much Celia for joining us Um, anyone that has any questions please feel free to reach out to us and like I said our next upcoming uh, blogs and podcasts will be all around getting through January and getting through it with the healthiest mindset possible so thank you Celia for your time today thank you